This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Ukraine's president, Volodymyr Zelensky, admitted that talks with his Russian counterpart, Vladimir Putin, could be necessary to end the war. Yesterday, he had accused the Kremlin of pursuing an, quote, obvious policy of genocide. The UN said that at least 4,000 citizens have been killed since the war began. Meanwhile, Russian forces continue to push their way into the Donbass region of Ukraine. The mayor of Severodonetsk, an encircled city, said that 1,500 of its citizens have been killed and 90% of housing damaged. Republicans in America's Senate blocked a bill related to domestic terrorism prevention, which Democrats have hoped would be a starting point for gun control reform. Their intransigence, days after America's second deadliest elementary school shooting in Uvalde, Texas, means Congress is unlikely to pass stricter gun laws. Meanwhile, scrutiny of the police response to the Uvalde massacre intensified. Witnesses faulted officers for letting the shooter enter the school and then standing outside while he murdered 21 people. G7 energy ministers called on OPEC, a cartel of oil-producing countries, to act in a responsible manner and boost output to tackle rising global energy prices. In the same breath, the leaders made climate pledges to end, quote, inefficient fossil fuel subsidies by 2025. OPEC will meet next week but is expected to resist calls to pump more oil. In Brazil, video footage of a black man asphyxiating to death in the boot of a police car caused widespread anger. Accounts differ as to why Genivaldo de Jesus Santos was stopped by the police in the city of Umbaúba, but he was handcuffed and forced into the boot by officers who then apparently let off a gas grenade beside him. Mr. Santos's widow described the incident as a, quote, crime. America said that Fiji would become the 14th country to join Joe Biden's Indo-Pacific Economic Framework, a pact to counter China's growing influence in the region. The announcement came just as China and the Solomon Islands, another Pacific island country, committed to deeper economic ties. Earlier, Antony Blinken, America's Secretary of State, said that America is not looking to prevent economic growth in China, but wants it to adhere to international rules. China and Russia blocked an attempt by America to impose further sanctions on North Korea over its missile tests in recent weeks. The resolution, which proposed to ban tobacco and oil exports to North Korea, was put to vote at the UN Security Council, where it secured votes from the other 13 members. A day earlier, North Korea was reported to have launched perhaps its largest ever intercontinental ballistic missile over the Sea of Japan. ABBA returned to the stage after four decades in ABBA Voyage, a digital show that uses motion capture technology and live backing band to recreate the 1970s superband in their prime. Thursday's premiere in London was attended by Sweden's king, Carl XVI Gustaf, along with the four real-life members of the band. And word of the week. Jubilee, a celebration of stasis. Britain is preparing to mark the Queen's 70 years on the throne. And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Hearing Australia's Aboriginals. 55 years ago, Australians voted in a referendum to remove a clause in the Constitution that excluded Aboriginals from the national census. Each year, the country commemorates the anniversary of that milestone with National Reconciliation Week, which began on Friday. Now, Australia's new government wants to hold another referendum on Aboriginal rights. 
Anthony Albanese, who was sworn in as Labour Prime Minister on May 23rd, wants to implement the, quote, Uluru Statement, which was issued in 2017 by Indigenous leaders who sought more power over the laws and policies that concern them. Among the statement's demands is a call for the establishment of a, quote, First Nations voice enshrined in the Constitution. Aboriginals make up about 3% of Australia's population and are disadvantaged in almost every measure. This, their leaders argue, is because they are not, quote, heard. The previous government dismissed the statement's call on the grounds that establishing a, quote, voice risked competing with the two existing legislative chambers. In reality, any new body would probably be advisory. But Mr. Albanese wants to answer the Uluru statement's, quote, patient, gracious call with a referendum on whether to set up such an advisory body within three years. Donald Trump visits the cowboy state. On Saturday, Wyomingites may swap their usual cowboy hats for Make America Great Again baseball caps when Donald Trump arrives for a rally in Casper. The former president will campaign for Harriet Hagerman, a lawyer who has earned a reputation for taking on environmental regulation. Ms. Hagerman hopes his popularity, 70% of Wyomingites supported Mr. Trump in 2020, will help her defeat Liz Cheney in the Republican primary this August for the state's sole congressional seat. Ms. Cheney has had a target on her back ever since she voted to impeach Mr. Trump after his supporters ransacked the Capitol building on January 6, 2021. Once the third-ranking Republican in the House of Representatives, her break from the party orthodoxy saw her demoted. She is one of only two Republican members of a House committee investigating the Capitol riot. Ms. Hagerman herself was once a, quote, never-Trumper. At the Republican National Convention in 2016, she plotted ways to try to deny Mr. Trump the nomination. Her newfound allegiance reflects the enduring power of Mr. Trump's support in one of America's reddest states. Ukrainian refugees return home. On Monday, Lelia Kajedzik, a special representative from the Council of Europe, will visit Poland to meet Ukrainian refugees. She may find many of them packing up. Some say the country is now safe, or at least safer than at any time since the war started. Some were unable to find work abroad. Many simply missed loved ones. Whatever their motive, lots of the nearly 6.7 million Ukrainians forced to flee their country by Russia's invasion are heading home. Nearly all are women and children, since men of fighting age were not allowed to leave Ukraine. In the week to May 25th, the number of Ukrainian returnees from Poland, 198,000, exceeded arrivals, 150,000. Other countries that border Ukraine are seeing a similar trend. Many refugees will return when the war ends. According to one survey, only 17% of the Ukrainian refugees in Poland, which hosts more than anywhere else, say they want to settle there permanently. Still, with the course of the war uncertain, even those heading home accept that they may need to escape Russian bombs once again. Digitizing Africa's Cultural Heritage Timbuktu conjures up images of gold and Saharan caravans. But the Malian desert city was also a flourishing center of knowledge. Between the 11th and 18th century, scholars in Timbuktu produced some 450,000 manuscripts on subjects ranging from music to slavery. 
When jihadist violence threatened to destroy them in 2012, Abdel Kader Haidara, a historian, began secretly transporting the fragile books to Bamako, Mali's capital. Since then, locals have worked with Google to digitize these remarkable records. Now, anyone can leaf through a virtual selection of them on the tech giant's site. The curious can also explore the mighty mudbrick mosque of Jene in 3D or wander virtually through Nubian pyramids of Sudan. Meanwhile, earlier this month, Ghana's new Museum of Pan-African Heritage unveiled a digital gallery ahead of its formal opening next year. Such online initiatives help to preserve heritage in remote or unstable regions and make it easier to explore Africa's diverse cultures. Weekend Profile Sir Michael Lockett, Britain's official party monster. Who better to portray Queen Elizabeth II than a 22-year-old Singaporean dancer? On June 5th, Janice Ho will play the future monarch as a young princess, dancing with a 21-foot dragon puppet in an elaborate pageant in central London to mark the climax of the Platinum Jubilee celebrations. Miss Ho, who was selected for the role, say the organisers, to reflect the, quote, makeup of Britain and London today. Following more traditional fare such as military bands, the Dragon Dance sets the tone for a day-long carnival, the highlight of four days of hoopla and holiday on the 70th anniversary of the Queen's ascension to the throne. And as so often for such national events, Sir Michael Lockett will be at the heart of it all. Meanwhile, some 150 official, quote, national treasures, including fellow nonagenarian Sir David Attenborough, will help Her Majesty party. There will be a retro fashion show of Britain's tribes, jivers, punks, and ravers, and an interpretation of the 1953 coronation in, quote, Afro-Caribbean style. Finally, the Queen will be serenaded by Ed Sheeran, a pop star. This eclectic mix of ancient and modern pomp and pop, flair and tradition, has become the hallmark of Britain's post-imperial ceremonies, and Sir Michael has been involved in almost all of them. The lean, unassuming 74-year-old is at the helm of this pageant as co-chairman. He also helped steer the Golden Jubilee concerts at Buckingham Palace in 2002 and the Diamond Jubilee's Thames River pageant 10 years later. Sir Michael's events company also helped organise the opening and closing ceremonies of the London Olympics in 2012. He opened the Shard and oversaw the inaugural New Year's Eve fireworks at the London Eye. The country rarely parties without Sir Michael. He admits to being an, quote, obsessive, waking up in the small hours to worry about his to-do list. The son of an army officer, Sir Michael chose to go straight into business rather than attend university. He says that storytelling is the most powerful means of communication, and on June 5th, he hopes to be telling not just the story of, quote, an incredible life, but also, quote, the second Elizabethan age. The winners of this week's quiz. Thank you to everyone who took part in this week's quiz. The winners chosen at random from each continent were Asia, Izumi Waki, Tokyo, Japan. North America, Jane Goes, Kie, Hawaii, United States. Central and South America, Chelsea, Covre, Brasilia, Brazil. Europe, Maha Peters, Amsterdam, the Netherlands. Africa, Machaba Sateke, Klerksdorp, South Africa. Oceania, Linda Hasselhurst, Sydney, Australia. 
They all gave the correct answers of Jimmy Stewart, Avro Lancaster, Hanover, Paul Tudor Jones, and Windsor Knott. The theme is British royal houses, Stewart, Lancaster, Hanover, Tudor, and Windsor. Weekly Crossword Welcome to our new crossword, designed for experienced cruciverbalists and newcomers alike. Both sets of clues give the same answers. Cryptic clues. One down. Lancastrian town where sheep droppings come from. Ten. One. Across. Boris hides inside Indian sage. Five. Two. Across. Fab South forms German world beater. Four. Three. Across. Irish County Romeo gets a dressing. Five. Quick clues. One down, where Britain saw roistering in 1809. Ten. One across, Tory windfall exploiter. Five. Two across, the world's largest chemicals company. Four. Three across, what Gustavo Petro was in Bogota. Five. Email all four answers by 9am BST on Monday to crossword at economist.com along with your home city and country. We will pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent in Friday's edition. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Maya Angelou, who died on this day in 2014. There is no greater agony than bearing an untold story inside you. That's the World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening. (laughs) 